the ark. David's dancing, they're sacrificing, and the ark of the Lord finally finds its place. In verse 17, it says, they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. He sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship before the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking that over these next few moments that you would share a word with us that would transform us forever. God, in so many of our lives, we feel like something is missing. Maybe today, joy is missing. Maybe we feel like our peace is missing. Maybe we feel like um, our provision is missing. Maybe we can't even in this room today put our finger on it, but something on the inside of us says something's not right. Something is missing. And I pray today that we would recognize that that something is your presence. More than that, it's your glory. So we ask God today that we would stop seeking secondary things and turn our eyes to the primary thing so that the presence of God could be with us and in us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Now here's good news for you as a believer. Jesus has promised that he would never leave you nor forsake you. We do understand this, that God is also omnipresent. That means that God is everywhere at the same time, all the time. But there is something different that the Bible teaches us about God's presence and God's manifest glory. Something different, something unique. You know this. It's one thing for someone to say God is with you. It's another thing for you to feel and know that God is with you. So there's something special and unique about God's presence when it is glory, when it is That word just means heaviness or weightedness. In other words, it's tangible. And I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied with just the fact that God is omnipresent. I want to experience and know the tangible, felt presence of God. Does anybody in the room feel that way? So there's something to the glory. There's a difference between God being present and his presence being made known. And when the Bible wants to differentiate between the two, it uses the term glory. And I want to give you just a few verses to talk to you about what is in the glory that is necessary for your life. First of all, the Bible teaches that in the glory of God, there is unlimited power. Colossians chapter 1 and 11 says, May you be strengthened with all power according to the might of his glory. Secondly, there is unlimited provision. Philippians 4 and 19 says, And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches in His glory in Christ Jesus. Thirdly, His glory is actually what rose Jesus from the dead. Romans 6 and 4 says, We were buried with Him by baptism into death so that, Christ, so that as Christ was raised, raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Number four, it's heavy like we've already said. It is substance. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 says, For this slight and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Number five, it is absent. 
and it is part of the pain of hell. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 9 says, They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Number six, it's so powerful, the Bible teaches, that it one day will replace the sun. Revelation 21 and 23 says, And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God is its light, its lamp is the Lamb. Now, David believes something is missing. And so what does he do? He goes after the glory. The Bible says David wants the ark of the Lord to be with him in Jerusalem. See, the ark was not necessarily the presence of God. It was a representative of the presence of God. The ark was how an invisible God was seen by humanity. The ark was basically a box that was carried around by poles, and the poles could only be touched by the Levites because the Levites were separated unto God. I just want you to know something. There is still something to living a life that is separated unto God for God's glory, for God and for God alone, a life that lives set apart. It was carried by those who understood the power of being separated the importance of being separated. It was how God came from where he was and stepped into where we are. They needed it. It was not really for him. It was for them. It was their daily reminder. Don't fight without this. Don't build without this. Don't live without this. Don't do church without this. Don't do work without this. Don't make a decision without this. Don't go up without this. Don't go down without this. Don't live your life without this. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, the Bible says that they lost it. They lost it in a, in a fight, and they lost it because they got familiar with it. They started to mismanage it. Now, what happens is they actually go to fight, and they're losing the fight. And as they're losing the fight, they start to look at each other and realize, we should have brought the ark with us. We should have brought the glory with us. And I hate to say this, but I feel like this is what most Christians' relationship with the glory of God looks like. It's an afterthought. We get into the battle, we start losing, and then all of a sudden it's like, where is the presence of God? And watch this. They go and get the presence of God, and they bring the presence of God into the camp. Everybody starts going crazy like, now we're going to win, and they still lose. Because I, I, want you to, I want you to understand something. God does not want to be the secondary thing. God wants to be the primary thing. God doesn't want to be an afterthought. God wants to be your first thought. God doesn't want to be the thing you think about at night when you lay your head down on the pillow wishing you would have done it all differently. God wants to be the first thought on your mind when you wake up in the morning recognizing that I can't take another, I can't even get out of this bed if you don't go with me. Moses recognized that. Moses understood that. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 33 that God comes to Moses and he says, hey, Moses, I, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to send angels in front of you to fight your enemies. You're going to have everything you need. But God looks at him and he says, but because these people are rebellious, I'm not going with you. And Moses starts this dialogue with God where he's 
asking God, he says, will you come with us? Because I don't care if you provide for me and you take care of me and you fight for me, but you're not with me. He looks at me, he says, so if we get there and we've got protection and we've got provision and we've, we've got everything that everybody else has, but we don't have you, there is nothing that will distinguish us from the rest of the world. The mark of a Christian is not that we are wealthier than the world. The mark of the believer is not that we are more protected than the world. The mark of the believer is not that we have more stuff than the world. The mark of the believer is that we have the presence of God with us. When we're rich, when we're poor, when we're sick, when we're healthy, when we've got everything and when we've got nothing. Moses says, so you can keep all of that. I want you. Is there anybody in the room today who would say, you can have all this stuff. God, I, I just want you. Moses said, God, I, I, I just want you. The psalmist said, hey, take it all, but don't take your spirit from me. Don't take your presence from me. They lost it because they got familiar with it. They stopped appreciating it. And when you stop being grateful for the presence of God, you'll start to mismanage the presence of God. And you cannot mismanage the presence of God and expect the presence of God. God expects to be treated a certain way. God expects to be handled a certain way. And I know we come to church, and Jabin said this on Wednesday, I know we come to church casual, and I know we come to church with our jeans and our sweatshirts on, but let me tell you something, don't, don't let this fool you. We do not treat the presence of God casually. It is important to us. It is why we gather. It is the only reason we gather. And as soon as the presence of the Lord is not here, we cease to be a church. We cease to have a reason for gathering. We must value and honor and hold high the presence of the Lord. Does anybody in the room agree with me? You can have all of this. You can have these buildings. You can have this property. I want his presence. They lost it. They lost it in a fight. Sometimes you lose things in a fight. Sometimes the fight takes something from you. One of the main descriptors that Jesus uses when he's talking about the devil is he says he's a thief. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The thief. You ever been in a fight and lost something? I'll never forget I was in high school and I was watching this fight. It was right outside the cafeteria. This guy was picking on this kid and this kid had finally had enough. And the kid turned around and he hit the guy in the face so hard. And his, I'm watching his face. It was like slow motion. It was like ESPN replay. It was like his face hit the glass and three of his teeth came flying out of his mouth with the braces on the teeth. I thought, that dude lost something in that fight. More than his pride, lost his teeth. But something happens to us in a fight. And you can get to the other side of the fight and survive, not realize that something was taken from you 
in the fight. And now you're on the other side of the fight and you survive, but something's missing. Your joy is gone. Your zeal is gone. Your faith is gone. And you're like, I heard you, Pastor. The fight was supposed to increase my faith, but all the fight did was discourage me and make me want to just take a break. Anybody in here just like tired from fighting? Sometimes in the fight, we don't realize that we've lost the glory. And we get to the other side of the fight, and now we've survived, and we, we don't recognize what we've lost. And so we can go years, and the glory be in some other town, some other community, some other place. And we're living as if we didn't lose anything. But if we don't stop and think about it for a moment, we'll live our lives without the glory. And I love it because when David comes to the throne, the first thing he wants to do is he wants to go get the glory back. And here's the thing about the enemy. He is a thief without a conscience. He's not going to feel bad about taking something from you and give it back to you. The only way you get it back is if you go get it. Now, there are a lot of people in this room that have just settled for life without the glory. And you could do that. Because you obviously have His abiding presence. Obviously, He is God, so He is always present. There will be moments in your life where you feel a goosebump or you feel something. And today I'm not talking about goosebumps. I'm talking about the tangible power of God being made manifest in your life where God does something and you look around and you say that nobody I know could do that. Where you look at something and you say, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I don't know what would have happened to me. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, the ark is taken by the Philistines. Watch what, watch what the presence of God does when it's in the wrong hands. The Bible says that they, they start to break out with tumors, the Philistines, all over their body. They get so frustrated with this thing, they don't know what to do with it. They take it, they move it from town to town. They actually take it and put it in a temple with one of their gods, Dagon. The Bible says that the, the ark literally destroys this idol, Dagon. They set the ark in there with Dagon. Dagon was half fish, half man. One morning they come in, it's fallen over. The next morning they come in, it's fallen over and it's broken into pieces. And they're like, we got to get rid of this thing. So they take it and they actually give it back to God's people. But they don't value it because they've been living for so long without it. They forgot how important it was. 
So Saul actually leaves it out of the city. And when David gets back into the city and he is now king, he says, the presence of God belongs in the city that belongs to God. And so David makes a decision. He says, I'm going to get it back. So you have to get to this point where you sincerely ask yourself this question about your relationship with God on the regular. Do I want him or do I want what he has? Because David had what he has, but he didn't really have him. He had the palace. He was in the city. He had the servants, he had the money, he had the title, he had the fame, he had the recognition, and still David said, something isn't right, something is missing. I wonder if you're in a place where you've got all the stuff you wanted, but you don't think something's missing. What have you been chasing secondary things for so long that you've got the secondary things And you don't even know what the primary thing is anymore. And the only way you will discover it is like they discovered it. The Bible says when they go and get the presence of God, the Bible says they're pushing it back on a cart they made. Why? So they didn't have to carry it on their shoulders. They're trying to get it the easy way. They're trying to have the presence of the glory of God without any kind of sacrifice. They're trying to get it easy. They don't don't want to work for this. And so they put it on a cart with some wheels, and now they're, they're pushing it from behind, and they're actually oxen even pulling it for them. They're not doing really any of the work. And they don't discover that they aren't handling it correctly until they hit a bump in the road. And you won't really recognize that you are void of the glory until your life hits a bump in the road and you're left wondering, what was I doing all this time? I was going to church. I was giving in the offering. I was working hard. And then I get a bad report. And then I lose my job. Or then my marriage starts to fall apart and I've hit a bump in the road and I realize I wasn't even carrying this the right way. And everything I had built My life around wasn't stable. So because it stumbled, because they hit a bump in the road, and they weren't carrying it, but they were pushing it. The reason it was carried was because if someone stumbled, there were enough people carrying it that it didn't fall just because one fell. You know you've got bad religion when your religion is propped up and built around personality, entertainment, you know you got bad faith when your faith is consumeristic. Yeah, 
I, I want to say, say something about, about, about this microphone, about these seats, about these screens, about these lights. If we're not careful, they'll become a cart. I, I want to say something to you. I want to say this microphone will become a cart. Those screens will become a cart. See, this screen was intended to help me teach, but this screen can't give me a word. So if I, ha- I don't have a word, this screen doesn't help me. This microphone is intended to help me preach, but this microphone cannot help me if I don't have a word. This microphone was intended to help the singer sing. But who cares if you can amplify a voice if the presence of God isn't on the voice? I, I, I just want you, to under, I want you to be able to distinguish what is secondary and what is primary. The presence of God was never intended to be in the seat, in the mic, in the drums, in the lights, in the screens. A screen hasn't ever made a drug addict walk into church and say, I'm done with drugs. But you know what has? The glory of God has made a lot of drug addicts put down their drugs. It's made a lot of alcoholics put down the alcohol. The glory of God has restored. A microphone has never restored a marriage, but the glory of God can restore a marriage. So you can have the mic, you can have this, you can have it all. We want the glory. David wasn't doing it right. Because he wasn't doing it right, Uzzah's life was impacted. You have no idea how many people's lives are impacted because your life is void of glory. The Bible says David got so scared that he, he, he was like, I, I, I got to leave this thing alone. So he, he puts it at the house of Obed-Edom and it's at Obed-Edom's house for a few months and David starts to hear that everything in Obed-Edom's house is starting to be blessed. And David looks around at what other people would consider blessed. He's a king. He's got his throne. He's just defeated the Philistines. There's food on the table. Something's missing. I'm just telling you that in your life, you will always have that pit in your stomach, that feeling that something is missing unless you make your life about pursuing God's glory. The reason something is missing and you feel like something is missing is because something is missing. It's the glory. See, people have really become accustomed to especially in church. Nowadays, I talked about it can become a type of consumerism where we go to get a word. And there are people that actually don't show up to church until the word is preached because they don't want to do any of the stuff that doesn't involve them getting something. Worship's not about you. Giving in the offering is not about you. It's about God. So let's wait until we get to that part where I can sit and eat. Oh, my goodness. And what will happen is you'll keep following gifts and not him. 
I, I love podcasts and I love YouTube and I love the fact that we can stream services and all of that stuff. But none of those things are a substitute for him. You can listen to a hundred sermons this week and still not have him. Why is it missing? There's, because there's, there's a loss of passion for his presence. There's a loss of passion for prayer. There's no passion in the worship. There's no, there's no pursuit. And without pursuit, the glory cannot be felt. He said, when you seek me, and you seek me with all of your heart, there you will find me. And there are a lot of people running around seeking, but they're not seeking him. They're looking for joy. They're looking for peace. They're looking for fulfillment. They're looking for purpose, but they're not looking for him. If you'll look for him, you'll never have to search for purpose. Because when you find him, you find your purpose. When you discover him, you discover peace. He said, in my presence is what? Fullness of joy. At my right hand are pleasures forevermore. I don't have any joy. I'm looking for joy. Don't look for joy. Look for him. No glory. And then we wonder, why don't I have the strength to fight? Why don't... I have the strength to stand. Why, why don't I have boldness to share my faith? It's because you're pushing God's presence around on a cart. You're not carrying it. <laughs> Man. Some people, some people say sometimes that Christians walk around with their heads in the clouds. Like, I've heard it said of people that you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Man, I wish they'd say that stuff about me. I want to live in the cloud. I want to live in his glory. I don't want his glory to be the strange thing. I want normal to be strange. But normal has become what we expect. And the glory is like the odd thing. The strange thing. The peculiar thing. How about we pursue him? How about we make a decision? We're going to get his glory back. We're going to get his glory back. I'm going to stop chasing secondary things. I'm going to make his presence the primary thing. Because like Moses, I don't want all of that. If he's not in it. Because I can get all of that without him. 
people without God running around with a lot of money. I don't need God to get money. I don't, I don't need God to, to get provision. I don't need God to get protection. I can arm myself. I can put a security system up. I can put a gate around my house. I can put dogs around my house. I can buy all that stuff. I can buy food. But I can't buy his glory. Now watch this. Watch this. This is what people miss. In the ark were three things. The law. Aaron's rod that budded. And a jar full of manna. And they three, what do they represent? The law represents the word of God. Aaron's rod that budded represents the miraculous power of God. And the manna represents the provision of God. When I get the glory, what's inside the glory? God's word, God's miracles, God's provision. So right now, if you need a miracle, don't seek a miracle. Go after God. Because even if you don't get the miracle, but you get the glory, you got what you were really after in the first place. But here's the good news, is God's glory actually comes prepackaged with his word, with miracles, and with provision. That's why Matthew, Jesus put it this way, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of this stuff you're worrying about, all this stuff you're pursuing, I'll just add it to you. When you get me, that stuff's just a bonus. Come on, would you stand on your feet this morning? How many of you in the room today would throw your hands up if you can and just say, God, I want to make your presence the priority. God, help me to put my focus back on your glory. I don't want to make secondary things the primary thing. Above all else, God, I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. The Bible says it very often that the glory of the Lord would hit a room and the priest couldn't even stand to preach because the presence of God was so strong in the room. How many people could just as a sign that God's presence is in the room, could you just maybe, maybe you can't do this physically, but maybe you could do it with your heart or but maybe you could get on your knee or on your knees for a moment. Maybe you could just bow your head for a moment and just acknowledge the heaviness of God's presence. Acknowledge that it's a humbling experience. Acknowledge that it's a weighty experience. Acknowledge that it was something I was meant to carry, not something I was meant to push. 
Jesus, we need your presence. New Testament says that Jesus is the full expression of the glory of God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Maybe you're in this room today and you say, Rob, I need to give my life to Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you have given your heart to God, but you've been, you've been away. You've, you've been out. You've felt like something is missing and you want to return to him today. If that's you, I want everybody in this room to pray this prayer. But if that's you, I'm, I'm specifically talking to you. I want you to pray this prayer with us. I want you to say this. Let's say this. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me, that you gave your life for me. I give you my life. Take it all. Have your way. Use me for your glory. I repent of my sins, and I confess you as Lord. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church. Can we just put our hands together and thank God? Hallelujah. There is no one like you. Come on. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes and wonder. Come on, show me. Bless the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you. They were taken by cart because they wanted it to get back quickly. I want you to understand something. God does not like to do significant things quickly I, I, want you to, I want you to hear my heart on this there was something significant happening God didn't want in other words God does things suddenly but God doesn't take shortcuts Woo. this is what I want you to understand like, like if you're in the room today and you say God I want your glory I want you to understand 
do something this week that requires time and sacrifice. Don't just try to quickly get through this. Like, like don't just wake up and be like, you know, no, God, I got, I got, I got to go to work. Uh, 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 maybe. Help me, help me. Bye. No, carve out some time in your day to make God a priority. Say, God, I'm not going to push you on a cart today. I'm going to put your presence on my shoulders. The Bible says they would take a few steps and then they would set it down. They would offer sacrifice. They would worship and they would praise. I'm telling you, if you really want the glory, it's got to be pursued. And you've got to take your time. Take some time with God this week. You'll reap something in your life that all those other things you choose to do cannot give you. You'll, get, you'll make it to that appointment and you'll still feel empty. You'll make it to that thing. You'll do that thing and you'll still feel like something's missing. Do what it takes to fill that void with his glory and not with activity. Not with stuff, with his glory. And you'll feel whole. You'll feel complete. You won't even have to have everything in your life changed to feel whole. That's what the Bible says, a peace that passes all understanding. It's, it's like nothing in your life really changed, but you still have peace. How is that? It's the glory. Amen. I love you today. Hey, if you need prayer for anything or you made that decision today, you want to give your life to Jesus or you said, I want to come back to God, we'd love to meet you. We've got a prayer team up front. If you got any questions, you can stop by the hub on your way out. God bless you. See you very soon. Love y'all.